Hey guys, welcome to uh, this episode of Take Heart. Um, I don't know when you're watching this, but today is Independence Day, and I've, I've got to be honest. Um, I knew that it was gonna be Independence Day when we 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 planned the shoot, and it, it definitely affected um, what I want to talk to about, talk to you guys about today. Um, <clears throat> in preparation, I was looking. I, I looked through several different Independence day type holidays for other countries for other cultures um we looked at the fourth of july we looked at juneteenth we looked at the cry of dolores i guess that's the, that's the mexican independence independence day um i even looked at canada day and i wanted to see if there was a common thread um amongst you know everybody celebrating their own independence and it may be obvious but even when you when you walk through your neighborhood you see freedom and as a Christian, I just wanted to look at, you know, from a Christian perspective, what are our freedoms? What are we free from? And uh, today, I'd like to just have fun and and go through um, some of the freedoms that we have in Christ, some of the freedoms that we have as as believers in the one true God. So, what I need you to do <clears throat> is get your Bible. Um, we're gonna jump around. We're gonna we're gonna turn our pages in our Bibles today. And we're gonna read a little bit of text here. So if you need to pause it, do what you have to, but um, let's jump in. So clearly one of the first things that we are free from is sin. And uh, immediately when I, when I thought about this uh, Take Heart, um, I wanted to go to Romans. So turn your Bibles to Romans and let's uh, pick it up in chapter four, verses 21 through 24. And um, Let's go. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law or apart from the rule book or our ability to keep the rules is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, the redemption that is in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Um, you always want to start with Christ. We want to know that um, the base for our freedom is Jesus Christ. It's not on our works or on what we do, um, even though we may do some amazing things. Uh, the root is always grace through Christ. All right, but that's not it, right? So Romans 5, 17 and 19, I want to read this straight from the text. It says, for if by the one man's, this one man being Adam, offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace, and I've got that highlighted because abundance of grace is what I feel like I need every day. Like there's so much, I feel like there was extra grace needed just to, to get me over the hump, and then I need a, a, a double portion every day just to get through the day. But um, uh, let's keep going. And of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous acts, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Verse 19, for it is by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So the root, again, everything is through Christ. As we lead into some other freedoms, I don't want you to lose that, that um, our focus has to be on Christ. And though Adam sinned and we all fell short through that, um, through Christ, we get this precious gift of life. I also want you to recognize that 
Um, I know a lot of times we get, especially nowadays in, in this climate, we get caught up in, in man. Sin and our sin state is our true oppressor. Through one man's sin, sin entered the world. And that sin state and those sin actions uh, hinder us from having fellowship with God. So, Romans chapter 6, verse 7 through 9 says this. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, speaking of Christ, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we shall no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been free from, freed from sin. And there you have it. We're free from sin. And I think a lot of times... Um, we dwell on sin, right? And when I read this, this verse comes comes to mind, and it's verse 18 and 19. And I, 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 if you don't have it highlighted, I would say that you should highlight this so that you, you draw yourself here when you, when you open this in your own Bibles. It says, And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So what Paul's saying is, is just as hard or just as diligent as you were about your own selfish ambitions or your lust or whatever you were doing wrong as you were attached to sin, now that we're set free from sin, it's not free from sin to do whatever you want. It's free from sin to now be a new creation in Jesus Christ focused on righteousness so now we are slaves to righteousness um, we want to seek him we want to re reflect him properly we want to reflect the righteousness of christ and that leads us to the next the, the next freedom so now that we don't have to deal or we're independent from sin what next well our next freedom is we're free to relationship with god specifically with relationship to christ um it's not a normal relationship it's something it supersedes all your other relationships, whether it's your mom and dad or whether it's your spouse. At the top of the list has to be your relationship with God. And I want you to hear it from God's own mouth. So again, turn your Bible to uh, John chapter 17. And we're going to, I want to read the whole um, chapter, but I don't know that we have time for that. Let's, uh, let's pick it up at verse 20. So John 17, 20, it says this. It says, I do not pray for these alone. And this is what he was speaking of his disciples but also for those who believe in me through their word, through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. They also may be one in us, right? So that's a relationship where God wants to bring you in to that same relationship that he has with the Father. Why? That the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I give them, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. In them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you sent me and have loved and have loved them as you love me. So God loves us, He wants to be with us, but His desire is for us to be in full relationship. Now, full relationship is two-sided, right? Um, so we hear from God, God hears from us. There's a there's a mutual openness. And so the great question is, how do you how do you do that? Right. 
course everybody wants to to be with God, but we don't see him, right? So what do we do in order to really push ourselves into relationship with God? Well, I've got an answer. It's, it's that, that same acronym. I want to be, for the record, I've stolen this acronym. It is not mine's, but um, we have to be pro-Christians. We have to be pro-athletes. So pro, how do you do it? We pray, right? And I want to use Christ as the example here instead of just anybody else in the Bible because he does it the most. Look how often for homework, I want you to, you can even stop it now and just go through your, through your gospels and look how often Jesus steps aside to pray or that he prays in public or he prays before he does a miracle. Whatever it is, God's kept in constant fellowship with his father, constantly talking to him, constantly inquiring and constantly showing as an example that our relationship is to always be praying, always be seeking the Lord, always be talking to him. The second letter in the acronym is, is R for, for read. So after we pray and we pour our heart out and we pour everything that we have out into the Lord, we have to read his word. Um, I don't have a specific verse to quote. I don't think I want to do that. Um, but I want you to notice on your own, you're supposed to be your own disciple learning to feed on God's word yourself. I want you to just notice something. I want you to turn your pages and just notice how many reference verses are in the columns of your Bible. And if you don't have that, uh, I want you to notice how often Jesus in the Bibles quotes the Old Testament and then how often uh, the apostles quote each other, quote the Old Testament, how often the word is always in their mouth. It's, it's repetitive almost because that is what they found value in. That is what they were looking to move us forward. All right, so the last word is obey. And for this, again, I wanna use Christ as our example. Um, I'd like for you to turn your, your Bibles to John 5, 18 and 19. And um, I think this says it best. It says this, it says, therefore the G Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. So just in that verse alone, he broke the Sabbath. I mean, he did something, right? He was not resting in a sense, but he actually, he did something. But what I love more is Jesus's response. He says, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. And I'm telling you, if you don't believe that, we can do nothing outside of Christ. If Jesus is saying that he can do nothing of himself, then how much more can we do nothing on our own? But what he sees the father do, whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So let me read it again. It says, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do, whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So our job as Christians is to get to know the Lord through prayer and through reading, but then to, to, to take action in what God has called us to do. God, Christians are to be in movement and we're to, we're to model ourselves off of what we see in Christ. Um, if you're struggling with that, I implore you to, to take a look at Mark, right? Mark's, I think that's the shortest gospel, but what you see in there is immediately this and immediately that, and Jesus went here and he went over here. And, and what you're really seeing, and I want you to pay attention. This might be a little bit more homework than you want to do, but take a 
take a peek at the logistics. Jesus isn't efficient in what he does, right? So if he's going um, from point A to B, he never takes the straight line, but he takes the line that brings him into the work of God, right? So the disciples say, you got to eat. He says, I got food to eat. The disciple says, this is the shortest way over here. He says, no, but we must go over here, right? He says, wait a minute, let me talk to this person. Jesus is constantly looking for opportunity to do his father's will. I challenge you to see if you're really doing that, right? I challenge myself to see if I'm really doing that, to see if I know what God wants me to do and I've been prayed up and I've read up, or now I need to look for the opportunity and say, Lord, how are you gonna use it? And I, I'm free to do that. There's no laws against that, ever. All right, the next freedom. Um, and I think we've covered this before, but we're free to love. And uh, instead of giving you verses that, that tell you that you should love, I think that's, that's apparent, right? It's implied, it's, it's, it's obvious is what I'm trying to say. I think we need to look at the characteristics of love. And I looked at this list and I said, oh my Lord, come on. I don't even want to talk about it because this list here I fail at. So we're going to list uh, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13. We're going to pick it up at uh, verse 3, it looks like, and run through verse 7. It says this, it says, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I've gained nothing. I know you heard this before, but think about your own life and how you're moving, what you are doing, and think about the kind of love you're giving. So verse four says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now, that's out of the NIV. Um, I had to switch it up here just because I learned this particular passage of Scripture from that version of the Bible. Um, but I got to tell you, I keep records, right? I know what you did wrong. Um, sometimes I'm always, I, I can be easily angered. And um, I barely trust myself. To say to trust someone else is, is, a, is a huge step. So after reading this, just in my own study, I said, man, my love kind of sucks sometimes. Like, I don't have the best love. Um, and if you don't believe me, ask my wife or maybe ask my kids or, or maybe you would ask a coworker, say, how is my, my love? So that's my homework for you. I want you to seriously take someone who you love, someone who loves you and ask them, hey, what does my love look like? And I want you to receive their answer. No, no, uh, no arguments, you don't get to reply, just, just understand what they say. And then I want you to turn to Galatians 5, and I want you to look at Galatians 5, 16 through 26. It's like marked in my Bible, so I know where it's at. And then I want you to see the adjective that they give you, however they describe it, where it fits in Galatians, right? So, after you do that homework assignment, I want you to think about this. I want you to, uh, when we speak of love, I think most people, even, even people who don't even know Christ, believe, they think of this when you think of love. They, they think of you shall love your neighbor as yourself or doing to others the way you want to be done or however it works. But this isn't just for our neighbors. If you look at Matthew 5, 43 and 45, it says this. It says, you have heard that it is that it was said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, 
love your neighbors, love your enemies. Let me say it again. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Uh oh. Right? So 45, right? Let me finish. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. All right. So phase two of your homework is this time go to somebody who you don't like and that you feel may, may, may not like you in return. Somebody you don't have a great relationship with. And then you ask them the same questions and say, hey, how does my love feel to you? Right. And then go back to Galatians and see what their how their response line. It's easy to love someone who loves you especially if they're of you, you know, your children or your wife or even your brothers and sisters here. But go to your enemy and ask them that same question and look for the opportunity to make resolution, right? The difference is we are slaves to righteousness, right? So if we're slaves to righteousness, if we're bound to Christ, the, the, the recipient of the love shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter who it is because our nature is to be love and we're freeing that because it is who we are. So how does your love measure, measure up? All right, the last one, we're free to unity. And um, there's a ton of scripture on unity, but the one I love the most and uh, I think has really, I've seen here at our, our church, our body, um, our little subgroup of the church, uh, is Acts 2.42. And it says, and they, came, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And um, just in that section of scripture in general, but specifically that verse, um, you see the makings of a good church and you also don't see any divisions. And um, so skip down, hopefully you turn there. Um, Acts 2.44 goes further to say, now all who believe were together and, and had all things in common. So I just wanna highlight that part that it says, now all who believed. Um, there's no mention of denominations or covenants or procedures or areas or, or anything. Um, I've got like the secret beef um, with the with the groups or the labels. Um, you know, you meet somebody, you talk to them about Jesus, and sometimes it doesn't take very long for them to ask you like, are you a Protestant? Are you evangelical? Are you Reformed? Are you Calvinist? Are you Arminian? Like, what are you? And, and, th and then people are asking, well, I know you might not be one or the other, but how much of, of each do you have in you? And, you know, I just kind of shake my head and I say, well, one, you know, the, the, at least the things that I just listed, I've not seen those in the Bible, I don't think one time, right? I don't, I don't see them there. And I'm, honestly, I'm just saying, bro, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Like, if you want to call that Christian, great. If you want to call that something different, whatever. But I pick up my Bible and I try to be more like Christ every day. Um, but also what you don't see is that there's no mention of race or age or social status, right? They didn't care. So um, these things only divide us. We need to find a way to, 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 to put them aside. Um, you can ask the question, well, if they're all mixed up, right? So if the, if the church in Acts chapter 2 is all mixed up with different kind of folk, how did they have all things in common? And Colossians 3.11 says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or, no, or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. The only thing that matters, guys, is Christ. 
right? If you have Christ, anytime somebody comes to me and say, hey, what are you? I said, man, do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and the Son of God? Right? Do you believe in his deity, his death, burial, and resurrection? And they say, yes, I say, then it doesn't matter what I am. What are you? We're the same. All right. And it's important. I just want to reference John 17 one more time before I let you go. It says this. It says, this is Jesus' prayer. I do pray for these. I do not pray for these alone, but all, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they all will be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us. Why? Why is he praying for that? That the world may believe that you sent me. Our oneness, our oneness proves to the world that Jesus is who he says. And we have a right to that. We shouldn't let people put us in a box, in categories or anything. The only category is the umbrella of Christ that we all fall, fall under. So, one question to you is how do you think we're doing at that? Next question is how do you think we can get better at that? So, enjoy your holiday, um, depending on when you're watching this. But... The next time you're thinking of your freedom, I want you to think of, you know, your freedom to relationship, your freedom from sin, um, your freedom to unity, your freedom to love, the things that God has given us that we can have in abundance. So God bless and see you next time. Thank you.